Welcome to Mad Lit Musings, a podcast with Jamie Jill Wright, where we go deeper and ask the tough and dangerous questions. Hi, everyone, and thank you for joining Mad Lit Musings. Today, I have Jill Eileen Smith with me, and we are talking about her new release, The Prince and the Prodigal. Hi, Jill. Thank you so much for coming. Hi, Jamie. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, this is great. Tell us a little bit about the books that you write and your current release. Well, I've been writing biblical fiction, Old Testament-based up until now, um, since 2000. I think the first book sold in 2007, but it released in 2009. So... I think there's about 17 books now. Um, I've done two nonfiction, but they're also about Bible women that okay. I've written books about, most of them, and or that I'm going to. Sure. But I, I write about mostly women of the Old Testament. This book is different because the two it's two male leads, um, but it's also um, got female points of view in it. So it's not strictly joseph and judah's story right right and so this is about the two brothers joseph and judah and then their lives and we all know the story of of joseph from a biblical standpoint as far as his life in egypt and his betrayal from his brothers and how much time did you spend on research for these they must take a lot of a lot of time you know at first they did and it depends but when i studied king david back when i was trying to break in I had taught a Bible study on him, spent 20 years learning the craft and, and rewrite. I wrote two volume epic. Then we broke it down into Abigail. Then I wrote McCall and I, but I was learning all that time, but I spent a good seven years researching David's life. Well, I don't have that kind of time anymore because I write a book a year. Right. Once you're set in that era, I mean, I was fine until then I did the wives of the patriarchs. Well, I had to go back a thousand years to ancient Mesopotamia. Well, that meant buying more books on the culture of that day. And, um, but after you've done that a number of times, like the judges are kind of in between and the cultural things that they did don't change a whole lot. So you don't have as much. When I got to Esther, I had to research history because she was, or at least Xerxes was a historical figure that I wanted to bring secular history into her story as well. With Joseph, I had studied ancient Egypt when we homeschooled. So um, I, what I did was kind of fun was just, I have a favorite young adult novel I read the kids when we were homeschooling called Mara daughter of the Nile and I've read it like three four times but I just just to put myself in ancient Egypt again it had nothing in comparison to my book but I just wanted to get to get the feel I read it again and I had written about one of Solomon's his Egyptian wife too so I had all that you know already in the background sure. so research mm, it's not as hard, except with the current book I'm working on. That's been a little tougher because it goes all the way back to the beginning. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's Eve, you know, oh. and, and how did they learn all the stuff that we now know how to do? Because we can 
we can show archaeological finds like yeah. of this is how it was in ancient Mesopotamia or ancient uh, Israel, but we don't have anything from post pre-flood era, you right. know, there's nothing, even after the flood, we can't find Noah's Ark or any of that stuff. So sure. if it still exists, you know, it, some people claim they've seen it, but others think it was destroyed and used for, to build things. I don't know. Which would have sort of made sense, actually, when you think about trying to start a new life, you'd go to the easier resources to. Yeah, you would think. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I mean, it's like the Ark of the Covenant. Where is it? Right. Some people say it's under the mosque in Jerusalem and others, you know, I don't know. I don't know either. I've always, I've always thought it'll be fun when I get to heaven someday, I can sit down and say, okay, all these archaeological secrets, God, now's the time. Let's have a real <laughs> night over pizza and you can tell us where everything went. Yeah, I'm hoping he's recorded some things on movies that we can just watch, like, you yes. know, be there. Yeah. I'm sure all the people I write about will tell me, uh, you know what, you didn't quite get that right. And this is how it really happened. But, you know, well, it's, I can't wait to sit down with them and, and find out the true story. <laughs> right. It is neat, though, to be able to have fiction to go to, to give us an idea of what it may have been like beyond just the biblical account that we've read. Um, and I know that you're careful to um, stay close to the biblical accounts and, and be respectful of that. But the story of Judah and Joseph is one that I know is dear to your heart just from the standpoint, it's kind of a resounding theme through a lot of your books and through the Bible is a redounding theme is the concept of redemption and reconciliation. And anybody who knows the story of Judah and Joseph know they were two brothers and you know, of quite a few brothers, and there was a lot of tension between them. Um, tell me why um, you wanted to highlight that in your biblical characters and why that's so important to you. Highlight the, the story the highlight in Judah and Joseph. The concept of redemption and reconciliation. Yep. Um, I, you know, it's just a theme. Forgiveness is a big deal to me. Redemption you know, if we can't be redeemed, there's no hope. You know, God said, I'm going to send a redeemer. He promised it to Adam and Eve right from the beginning. And forgiveness is something I guess I learned as long a time ago. Um, when I was young, <clears throat> I didn't really understand the concept, you know, of holding a grudge. It wasn't until probably in my 20s that um, I realized that I had buried a lot of resentment toward things that had happened in my life. Not bad. I wasn't abused. I had a good family, um, good parents, nothing really bad, but I was a sensitive kid. You know, I think writers, we tend to be more sensitive. And so I little things that may have upset me instead of like dealing with it, I buried it until it got to it. It was affecting me physically. Mm -hmm. And then I had to seek help to figure out what was going on. Well, it all came down to, I needed to forgive all the people or whatever in my past. And the way I've learned to do that even today, because God kind of showed me more recently 
you know how what you did bit way back then, you kind of need to do that again. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And what I do, since I journal pray, that's, yeah. you know, I've been a journalist, journaling um, writer. That's how I pray most of the, much of the time. I mean, my husband and I pray together out loud and I pray without journaling, but I do a lot of journal praying. And in my journaling this time, it wasn't a prayer. It was letters to the people that had hurt me. Mm. And I wrote out the offenses, you know, everything that whatever it was in, in the case of the young 20 year old something, it wasn't very long, like a page, maybe one front and back page. But in the recent days, I had a lot more pages to go through. Mm -hmm. I had avoided doing that. And after I do that, then I write, I rip them out of whatever notebook they're in. I write, I forgive you all over them. And then I go and burn them or shred them. And then after I can do that, that's when I find freedom and actually can love the person that I was upset with. It's gone. It's like, that's my way of God setting me free. But I believe forgiven, a lack of forgiveness, an unforgiving spirit I, I, I've personally seen and read things that it can lead to disease. In fact, when I got breast cancer this past year, I started listening to a lot of um, not home remedies, that's not the right answer, but stuff from experts that were alternative to chemo, radiation, and, right. and drugs. Right. Because I, I had surgery, but I didn't want to go the route that... Um, was traditional. So I was listening to all these hours and hours of, of different experts that had healed cancer, had, um, you know, whatever, it was all toward healing cancer. And the big theme, whether they were Christian or not, that ran through it was you have to forgive. Hmm. If you don't forgive, it can lead to disease it can lead to cancer it can lead to all kinds of problems stress in our life is often an unforgiving spirit and when we want to hold that grudge i've seen people hold grudges till the day they die and they're miserable and they make everyone else around them miserable right. and it, it is the worst way to live so forgiveness is huge to me and we can't forgive on our own we don't have that capability it comes from the redeemer and redemption and reconciliation can't happen apart from the forgiving heart. And that's why those themes always are woven in my stories, N not only because they're, they're about me in a sense, like I'm projecting perhaps through my characters, but they're actually in the stories biblically. Right. You, you can see, I mean, that's God's whole message. He came to bring redemption and he came to, for, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing from the cross. Mm -hmm. Forgiveness was why Jesus came so that we could be with him forever. So that's, that's why my message. And it, it will probably never change because I'm passionate about it. And, and all the people in the world need it, <laughs> including the biblical characters. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Um, reading, especially with the Old Testament stories, I used to teach an Old Testament um, survey course to teenagers. And one of the things that we always saw, what we call it, this, this circle of, 
of time, so to speak, but it's that repetitive of redemption and then dedication. And then you start slipping and then there's a falling away and then there's a need for reconciliation and then coming back to that redemption. And it's repetitive through all the biblical characters' lives. And yet one of the things that we drew was it's also that foreshadow of what's to come in that final redemptive act of Christ on the cross. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love, I love seeing that, that foreshadow of that shadow coming ahead of Christ. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Um, What specifically when you studied the story of Joseph struck you when it came to the concept of him being faced with his brothers and knowing they were his brothers and his brothers not knowing it was him. I mean, there's my evil side goes, ha 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 ha. I can do all sorts of revenge <laughs> now. <laughs> what, what sort of um, things went through your, your mind or, or, or stuck out to you when you, when you wrote that? Um, I guess um, I'm thinking when I, when I lift my eyes up, it means I'm thinking, um, but Anyway, I, I think Joseph had a good relationship with God throughout his time in Egypt, but he had to have wondered why am I, why this road? Yeah. Why do we have to go down this path? You know, what did I do wrong? Why am I forced into, you know, working for this man as a slave and now I'm in prison and, and then he's suddenly elevated and he realizes what his dreams meant. So now he's, He's thinking he's fulfilling what God wanted. And he even named his two children in a way that he was trying to forget his family. Mm. But I think deep down, he knew he could not forget them. And I'm sure his heart yearned for his father because when they were finally reconciled, there was a lot of weeping that went on, a lot of clinging to one another. And um, But the brothers, I think... He, he definitely, it'd be like someone, imagine someone wounding you for year after year. Maybe it's the same thing. And it's just the memory of that one wound, because I once taught a Bible study on forgiveness and I asked a pastor at the time, the 70 times seven, you know, he said, sometimes it can be one offense remembered that often. And sometimes it's, they keep repeating it, you know, like Peter said, how often if my brother keeps doing it, and I have to say, I forgive him, you know, but but sometimes it's just that memory won't go away. And if the memory keeps causing pain, you have to keep forgiving in order for you to be free of the pain. It's not about that they're going to care because those people that are hurting you probably don't want your forgiveness, don't think they need your forgiveness. They are just perhaps they hate you. Perhaps they're just angry at you or they're holding a grudge for reasons only they know. Or perhaps, as I think I read, Lisa Turkhurst wrote it in one of her books, hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. And it may have nothing to do with you. And that's true, but they take it out on you. But, you know, in Joseph's case, it had everything to do with him because they were all jealous of him because Jacob showed too much favoritism and Jacob was the guilty party here. He should have been a more loving father, but I don't think he was capable of loving more than one woman. 
-hmm. He loved Rachel. That was it. And he loved her children. I don't think he was capable beyond that. That's what he had wanted. He never asked for more than Rachel. So I, I think that would be a struggle for any person that only wanted one thing and got more than they bargained for. But Joseph had to deal with Judah's betrayal and Judah suffered a lot for that betrayal. If you read Genesis 38, I always ask myself, why is this stuck in the middle of Joseph's story? And it, he left home right after he betrayed Ju Joseph. Mm -hmm. So when Joseph, imagine back to the imagining someone hurting you, sees these brothers come to him, he's got to wonder, can I trust them? Just because they're coming back and they're acting all humble doesn't mean I trust them. You can be forgiving and not offer your trust to a person that quickly. Mm -hmm. So, because um, sometimes they have to earn it back. And that's, I think, what Joseph wanted was them to, to prove they were trustworthy. So he tested them over and over. Right. And Judah finally passed the test. And so. And then it's the story of redemption. Yes. I love that. I always loved as a child and even now when I read that story, I picture the reunion between Joseph and his father and you kind of get weepy just thinking about it because of the emotion of, you know, here's your, as the parent thinking your child all these years has been dead and, and as a child knowing that you're just, you can't go back you can't go back and you, you don't even know what your father's thinking. You don't even, I mean, I'm wondering even sometimes if Joseph questioned if daddy had anything to do with it, even at that point, I don't know. You know, I think your brain starts making up all these stories when you're going through those betrayals. And, and well, so. why didn't he, he come look for me? Right. But he couldn't have known that his brothers made it sound like he'd been eaten by an animal. Right. There was no body, and because there was no body, and they just they let Jacob assume that Jacob would have no reason then to search for a body because he figured the animal ate him. Right. Yep. And they showed him the bloody evidence of the coat of many colors that Joseph never wanted to take off. So. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. What a story! What a story! And I love that you bring it to life um, in in your fiction and. Um, I've heard so many people mention how your books have helped inspire them to even, even read the Bible itself, because fiction is a good way to introduce to those stories and then start tackling the, the actual scriptures themselves, which is so awesome to hear. Oh, I love that when people write and say, you know, I, I was reading the Bible alongside your book, you know, because that's the whole point. I mean, really. My books are fiction based on the truth, but you can't take my word as God's. Right. Go back and read his because that's where you're going to find the true truth and read all of it. Yep. I don't believe we can take, I don't believe if you're a, a writer of biblical fiction, if you don't take the whole of scripture and have a good understanding from Genesis to Revelation, that you can just take that little part and then write your story around it because there's parts in scripture, like, for instance, I was writing Sarai's story. <clears throat> you get to the Sodom and Gomorrah story that's in that book. 
I happened to be reading an Ezekiel, I think it was. Okay. First randomly, or maybe just wanted to read through it. And I happened across the reason God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. And it wasn't just the reason mentioned in Genesis. Mm -hmm. There was more to it. Well, if you don't read more and you don't know the New Testament that calls Lot a righteous man in Peter, then you're going to not portray your characters the way as fully scripturally accurate as you could. Right. I try. I, I'm sure I miss stuff, you know, but. It's, it's great that you try, though, because it does reach so many readers. And I think that's great. So if readers want to learn more about your books and find you online, um, where do where should we send them? Where do they go? My website, jillileansmith.com. You, you can sign up for my newsletter there. Um, and I try not, I, I'm not great at doing those like every month. Um, I try to at least do them seasonally. And when there's new releases and things like that, um, all, all the links to my social media are there. All my books are there and where you can purchase them. Some of my books, I got a, an email from a reader asking, did I have discussion questions? If you look on my books and click on one you're reading, you the earlier books did have discussion questions and some even had Bible study questions. They might still be up there. I had my website redone. I can't remember what's okay. there. <laughs> the later books didn't, I didn't do that because I just ran out of energy. There was a point I was writing three books in one year and I could not do that. So I'm back to one a year and that's all I'm ever going to want anymore. I can't, it's too overwhelming. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So jilleileensmith.com is where we can go to find out about your books. And I really appreciate you coming on and talking about this subject. I think it's one that we all relate to in a, in a, in a way, depending on our personal stories and our personal histories. And it's so important to be reminded that the possibility of reconciliation and redemption is, is there through forgiveness. And, and a lot of times that starts with us. It does. And even if the other person never wants to be forgiven or forgive you jesus said as far as it concerns you live at peace with all men i think it was him or paul i can't remember who said it but it's from god and from yeah, god. you can't make people care about you you can't make people reconcile with you but you do your part and you wait on god and you pray and you you hope that that will change one day that's the best you can do. Absolutely. Well, on that note, thank you so much for being with us and talking about your new book, The Prince and the Prodigal, which is out now and available for anybody who wants to read, which I want to go get it now because. <laughs> well, thank you. And thank you for having me. It's been great talking to you. Oh, same here. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you for listening to Madlit Musings. You can find out more information about Madlit and all that it has to offer at madlitmentoring.com. That's madlitmentoring.com. Or check out more about Jamie Jo Wright at jamiewrightbooks.com.